Welcome to the podcast, Energy Medicine, where we are aligning your mind, body, and spirit with energy-based modalities. With your host, Dr. Mary Sanders, a medical intuitive and chiropractor. Let's join the podcast. Today on Energy Medicine, I will be joined by Mary Beth Decker. Mary Beth is the founder of sacredgrove.com, where people and pets heal and connect. Mary Beth is an animal communicator and healer. When Mary Beth's dog started communicating with her, she was flabbergasted because she didn't even know animal communication was possible. Already trained in energy medicine, she decided to shift her main focus to animal communication and healing. Using Tina Zion's medical intuition techniques with people's beloved animals has brought a new depth to her work. Thank you for joining us. I am your host, Dr. Mary, and I invite you to visit my website, www.drmarysanders.com, to download your free guide to boost your energy centers and experience more clarity, purpose, and vitality. We'll be right back after this quick break. Welcome back to today's show. With me today is Mary Beth Decker, and she is the founder of sacredgrove.com, where people and pets heal and connect. Mary Beth is an animal communicator, a healer, medical intuitive, and best-selling author of the second edition of Peace in Passing, Comfort for Loving Humans During Animal Transitions. A Reiki master and a certified quantum touch practitioner, Mary Beth has been endorsed by the internationally recognized medical intuitive, Tina Zion. She uses her animal communication and energy healing skills to discover and release the source of animals' emotional and physical issues. Cannot wait to talk more about this. So having worked with animals who have lived through tough experiences, or circumstances, Mary Beth's practice has evolved into using both telepathy, which is animal communication, and energy healing to help animals release the energy of traumatic memories. Her goal is to allow their best self, the true soul and personality of the animal, to emerge. From there, they can enjoy the family life that they've been gifted by their loving, compassionate guardians. The title of today's podcast is Using Animal Communication and Energy Healing to Release Trauma. Welcome, Mary Beth, to the podcast of Energy Medicine. It is sincerely my honor to hold space for you today. And as I've already shared with you personally before we got on the call today, I am beyond excited to talk about this topic. I'm so excited to be asked to speak. So Mary, I guess there's a lot of excitement going on here. Thank you so much. It's great to be here. Yeah. So Mary Beth, we talked about using energy skills and animal communication to discover and release the source of animals' emotional and physical issues. So first and foremost, you know, I'm sure the question is lingering in the audience's mind. How do you personally communicate with animals? Oh, well, there's a lot of different ways that animals and I communicate. I think over time, my skill set has increased. So it's two parts, right? There's the receiving and there's the sending. So the sending, I'll start there because this is interesting. People can do this. The sending is 
imagining that you're sending a picture with questions, words in a picture, and even emotions. If you're trying to get something across, like you would make me really happy if you use the litter box every day. <laughs> so there could be a picture there of a little kitty in a litter box. And we have, I have done this with the overjoy of the person who's would like to uh, not have to clean up. So it's simple and it's true. You use sort of those things. The receiving is opening up to what they want to share with you. And I think that I've got two minds and they share something to me. And my brain says, let me, let me translate it into something that you'll understand. So sometimes I am seeing memories. Sometimes I am hearing sentences. Sometimes I'm hearing words. Sometimes I'm feeling it in my body. Sometimes I'm even seeing something symbolic, like something from my own life. So for instance, I might remember something about where, how my sisters and I weren't getting along. And I'd see it that this was probably a true thing that's going on between some a couple dogs or a couple cats, things like that. And so there, there is that uh, exchange of information in that way. And all those different avenues are open to get communication going back and forth. Hmm. I love that you're opening with this, Mary Beth, because I've talked in other episodes about how as a medical intuitive, we receive information. And it's different for each person that is doing and holding the sacred space. And it depends on who the client is. And so for you, it's going to depend on the animal and their way of sending and receiving information. And for the listeners, when I was watching Mary Beth just a moment ago, she's very active and animated with her hands. And she was showing me that through the palms that she essentially was using the energy centers located in her palms and like through psychometry and sending images and perhaps receiving information as well. Mary Beth was talking about clairvoyance, where she can see images, or perhaps she talked about just receiving information through direct knowing as it just tapped down into the cranium. And then she also talked about clairsentience, where it actually shows up within her physical body as well. And these are all the same tools that we use for humans. And and animals are sentient beings. How can we distinguish the ability to be able to communicate just because the language and the command over the language doesn't happen to be the same? I love that you're holding space for these animals, and especially when you're tapping into their emotional and physical issues. So how do you combine the communication, the way that you receive information and the way that you deliver the energetic healing? How does this combine to help animals resolve trauma? I mean, I'm assuming that trauma gets stored in the cellular bodies of these beautiful animals, just like it does with humans. Yes, it's become very clear to me that this is true. I've I've, uh, adopted a number of well, we'll just call them rescue animals is a short term, but they, they don't want to be that. They don't want to be called a rescue animal for the rest of their lives. They want a second chance. But please say adopted animals. And if anybody who's listening, like, let go of that stuff. Uh, but my understanding has evolved. First, I started with just animal communication. And then somewhere along the way, 
and I did some healing, but somewhere along the way, I also got a nuanced that said, a nuanced understanding that said, if we can find the trauma or the origin of the trauma and be there with them in it somehow, there are various ways to do that. But to actually, if it was a human, you were holding their hand and saying, oh, that's tough. I am really sorry. So there's the energetic connection of being a soul loving person next to them through the trauma. That's like the beginning of it. And then when you see that happen, because you've done animal communication, you find out where that thing started, then there's some clearing that would happen. And there's a lot of ways to do that. So I'm going to, that's the short version. To release the energy of that event, we can bring them to the now and do some more animal communication that might be requests like, so maybe you could stop hiding under the bed now. You know, I'm thinking of a cat I just worked with. Or you don't have to be afraid. You can be joyous and lovely and meet people. When animals are stuck in the sympathetic nervous system, the stress, you know, you think of that trauma, that other thoughtful side is not totally engaged, just like humans. And so if you start to release that stuff, then you've got somebody who's ready to try something different, to see the world in a new way. I've never said it quite this way before, so I hope I'm making sense. Mm -hmm. So Mary Beth, if I'm understanding you correctly, and feel free, if I'm understanding, if if I'm not understanding correctly, please um, let myself and the audience know, but it sounds like the first step for, for resolving the trauma is to witness, to witness them in their state of whatever their trauma was. I mean, it takes a lot of vulnerability for humans, I think, and for animals to be able to say, oh my God, you're not going to believe what happened to me. And I just let me tell you the story. And it sounds like somebody such as yourself who can communicate with them can hold that space. And once they share with you the traumatic event, then they're like, okay, now that somebody's seen it, then maybe I can release it. That for me is the very first step. Then we can also stay in that event and we can actually shift the outcome of the event. And I've learned a specific task that if an animal was abused, you might see that they're, they feel fear and you might at that time do some energy healing with the person, their guardian, to say, we're going to take that fear out of you because that's really not yours. That That's from the individual who gave it to you. And we feel like we're handing it back, just saying, hey, this isn't ours, Mr. or Mrs. Human Being. This is not our dogs. This is not our cats. We're going to give it back to you to deal with. So, And then we feel like we're... Pu- so this is like the in-between step, the, the huge healing with big trauma. Then pulling back, like every animal probably comes into this world with an ability of for self-confidence, might be pulling self-confidence back, safety, things like that. And so we actually allow the characteristics of this animal, the, the, of their best selves to come back into their experience and let the rest of that stuff go. It's pretty powerful, and it's for the big, the really big traumas. Hmm. So then, is it possible? You've, I'm sure, you've seen that 
So once you remove the fear or the anxiety, then transformation, then the animal then can become joyous and excited and happy and and blissful. Yep. We've seen that happen. A small example where this is not a huge trauma, but this was very helpful. I worked with a cat who had some serious dental issues and she came back very, very scared. Now a lot of cats do, but this cat usually did not. And so her person came to me and said, I don't know what's going on. This is really bad. Can you help out? And so I went back to the dental surgery because there was a lot of it. And I asked, what was the cause of her reaction? And what I received was the anesthesia had not completely kicked in before they started the dental work. And so there was pain there. And so, you know, in the field that we're working with, which is quantum mechanics, time is slightly fluid here. So we went back a few minutes and we imagined a different story for this cat that the technician in the room said, you know what, doc, that kitty's not completely under. Let's hold off and give her some more medicine. And the vet said, well, you know, you're right. So in this case, we saw a different scenario with her. Now, what I'm telling you is not exactly the same as what I was saying before, but it'll give you an outcome. It'll give you the story to show you the changing the past will change the present. So in this case, it was a lovely surgery. Uh, She didn't feel anything bad. She woke up a little fuzzy, got home to mom and her other cats. And it was reported to me because we gave her a different memory, a different way of, of her past, that the kitty, she was out around, running around and rolling in the kitty treats now. Very different from where she had been hiding under the bed after I'd done the session. So in this case, we had to just switch, give her a new memory or story. In the previous one, we were actually trading with the people that because they were some abusers and needed to do something different there. But the outcome is still a change in behavior at the end. It sounds to me like with this story that you just shared with the dental experience with the cat that you provided a new version of the outcome. I surely did. And so as we know, in the quantum field, there are many different versions that are playing out simultaneously for people in, pre- in present time. Um, because everything, as you said, was fluid and it's multidimensional. So it energetically, if you introduce the idea of a different version, then you can shift the outcome energetically. So that's super powerful. And then the other example, when you were talking about the humans being abusive, it sounds as though you got to neutrally separate from those humans and gift back the abuse or, you know, you had to release it back to the humans. So I see the overlapping and I appreciate you sharing both of those stories because, you know, the positive outcome is what we're after, but the approach is slightly different. Thank you for summarizing that so nicely for me, because that's something that I'm also looking to say, what's going to work best in this situation? And I I have, you know, you pull a different tool out. Uh, depending on the situation and and the the being in front of you who you're working with as well. 
And so then my next question for you, Mary Beth, is when you're holding space for these animals, are you, do you invite, do you have spirit guides or sacred guides, divine guides that facilitate and work with you? I do. It's something new that I have added. We'll say it the funny way. I've hired a, a sacred divine team of experts in medical intuition, animal communication, clearing. <laughs> and they're they're like, yes, I got, I got some really wonderful ones. And I have found that this has shifted my practice a number of ways. I have allowed them to do the healing. I guide them and they do it for me. I also ask for information from them to be given to me. And what I've noticed is a couple of things. From a human standpoint, I don't get in my way as much about how am I doing? Is this good? I I mean, I'm like, I just, I got an incredible team. I'm just going to say, you got it right. All right, tell me this. I've interviewed them. They're good. And so I get out of the way a lot easier. (laughs) It's not about me anymore. It's really about getting this thing done. I've also gotten information easier and quicker. And the healing have been of a much higher nature. I think that's the best way to say it. And one thing I learned is that it's also a way to conserve my own energy is to direct it and then allow those divine sacred experts masters to do it for me so that I'm I'm still an intact energetically so Mary Beth I love hearing you talk about this I'd like to share an experience that I had um, I believe it was just last week literally I was working and holding space for another a colleague of mine and uh, she was having some re-patterning or retracing of some neurological issues that have been stored within her central nervous system. And as I was holding space for her, Mary Beth, I got a tone, you know, I got some clear audience. I got a tone and I said to this lady, I said, hold on. I said, somebody's coming through. And so what ended happening is that from there, after we allowed this energy, this spirit to assist in the healing The gal I was working on, the image that I got was she was transported into a surgical kind of gallery. So it felt like a psychic surgery was being performed. And I could see all these beautiful, magnificent beings all operating with the highest good in the positive intention for the person that was on that table. And I said to the gal I was working on, I said, I am holding space. But let me tell you, there's a team of experts here to facilitate this. And I understand how that contributes to, it is a conservation of energy. And then you can kind of know that your role is to hold a frequency and that the rest of the team is doing this work. And it was amazing to watch as other beings arrived in this gallery to witness this healing. It was beyond powerful. So I love the fact that you have a guaranteed team that's going to show up when you're, <laughs> you've, you've vetted these people. I need to get to that level. I need to work on that one. It was something I, I learned from um, Tina Zion. I've got to confess, it didn't come up from me, but I love the idea of just saying, I'm just, I'm only working with sacred divine experts, masters mm. in this 
Okay, okay, we're going we're going up for the best because this is what I want for the the animals and their guardians. I only want the best. We all who are dedicated to this stuff only want the best for for our folks, right? Yeah. Absolutely. Absolutely. Now I have a question and I want to know is how can you, because I find that humans are so merged energetically with their animals, how is it possible to, and I know it's possible, I'm not doubting you. I guess my question is, how do you bridge that gap when you know that the human of this animal is the source of the dysfunction, is the source of possibly the illness or the emotional trauma. My guess is you're always, because your client is the animal, that's who you're supporting. How do you handle, those are sticky situations. How do you navigate that? That's a really good question. So I really feel like I am, um, most times it's a family you know, I'm doing the family, the human and the animal. I'm focused on the animal, but but how the, their person is doing is going to make a big difference on how they're going to continue to flourish. I want to say this first. Not everything that our animals exhibit, any bad behaviors, are because of, the, of us. Anybody who has rescued an animal from a very bad situation that beautiful being came in with memories and incidents right at the get-go. And yet, there are times where our energies as their guardians, if I see this happening, I talk about sort of an energetic vicious cycle because it's easier for somebody to hear. So I've experienced it myself. As an example, my dog Tibor, who passed away, recently, he would get upset at hearing thunder and uh, police sirens and things like that. And he would go running. So he was very upset. But what would happen is I had a reaction that I would start to feel the energy like, oh my goodness, is he going to do this again? So I would start to shift my own energy about it. And I believe that affected him negatively. Like it's almost like, oh, this is what I'm supposed to do. I actually had confirmation of that a few times in different situations. And I finally shifted. I did a couple of things. I started to shift my own energy to say, this could work out really nicely. And I also worked on him with some calming techniques and telling him that that's going to happen in our neighborhood. It's just a loud noise. Let's not let it ruin our walks because he loved walks. And over time, he relaxed. I relaxed. And so my energy wasn't keeping it going when he was finally willing to shift. In another case, sometimes people and animals, I don't even know if it's causal or it's just that they happen to be the same energetic type and that's where they're together so that they can learn something. I had a a dog who... um, She was so nervous that when she was left home alone one time, she got caught up in the blinds and she almost, she almost choked and her person came home and we worked on the dog's anxiety. And then I looked at her person and, and said, do you have any anxiety? Because I feel like it's something that she looked at me, she goes, no, it's not me. No, no, no. I don't know what you're talking about. And about a week or two later, she emails me and says, 
Oh, you know, that anxiety thing. Yeah, I am pretty nervous. And she started doing meditation and doing calming for herself. And we did some things for for her dog uh, that made her dog feel safer. But she didn't mind being in a room where she could see out. And it shifted the whole relationship. So sometimes people get it right away. And sometimes they're like, it's not me. But they love their animals so much. They do look at their behavior. And then we're willing, we'll do some shifting with them as well. Yeah, yeah. I find the dynamics between the humans and the animals that the humans will do just about anything for their animals, right? And, you know, sometimes they'll they'll go through extreme changes for the animal versus, you know, doing it for themselves. And, um, but animals provide such that unconditional love for us that, you know, it's sometimes hard for humans to experience that themselves. That is true. My joke phrase is I work with people who love their animals as much as or more than some of the people in their lives because unconditional love is even if they have tough behaviors, there's so much love generally that we see behind them. We just love them so much. So I'm looking back in the notes, Mary Beth, because I know you're a published author And the title of your book is Peace and Passing, Comfort for Loving Humans During Animal Transition. So I think that the passing of an animal is one of the most challenging losses that a human can experience. So do you as an animal communicator and um, healer, do you support animals in their transitions or how do you support not only the passing the animal who's passing and transitioning and the human that's grieving i rewrote this book just for the humans actually to help their animals because i noticed that the grieving in us humans begins not at the very last days but it begins when we get that tough diagnosis or we start to see the decline in their physical abilities. And that's where most of us start to look ahead and we grieve and we we start to wonder what we can do. And I actually wrote this one and I do assist people even in the beginning of the process where how are they feeling? What do they need? Um, what kind of medical treatment are they getting? And, and it's more of, you know, how is it working for them? What what kind of things do they need? And then do some energetic healing for the animals. This is for the animals, but also giving ideas for people to switch their mindset. One of my favorites is, I call it the I'm not dead yet mindset, which is even we're grieving our animal before they've left the planet, which is it's like not the most useful way to spend time with them. and. They didn't hear the diagnosis. They only know things are changing in their body. As far as I have been able to experience, especially in the early thing, early time of whatever's happening. And to remember that they're here now. And then we start to shift how we relate to them. Maybe we shift uh, what food we're feeding them or how to play with them or how to keep them comfortable. And we keep shifting so that we're there and and allowing us and them to experience the joy of each other's company for as long as we can. And I think that's so important because if if we spend too much time in the grieving process before they die, 
you've lost a lot of opportunities to just be there and be with that lovely soul as much as you can. And, and uh, you get into acceptance for where they are now and where they are today and where they are the next day and the next day and finding, finding the happiness. I mean, I used to sing with my dog, Stella, every day with Stella is a good day, just to remind myself that she was still here on the planet with me, you know? Yeah. I have to share with you that such good advice. It's good advice. And I'll share a short story because, you know, the whole, as I'm listening to you, I'm reliving cellularly and within my central nervous system and within my emotional body, I'm reliving the transitioning of uh, my husband and I's dog, uh, Puka. She was a Welsh corgi. And I promise listeners, I'm not going to get all emotional on you, but you may hear a little energy stuck in my throat. But I remember distinctively, we were living in Ho Chi Minh City, Vietnam. And in Vietnam, I don't know if the listeners realize, but pets are not, uh, they don't carry the same stature that they do here in the United States. There are some parts in the country in Vietnam where dogs can still be considered a source of food. So Puka, when she arrived in Vietnam and the story getting there, that's when I knew that I had a special bond with Puka because I, it was the hardest thing that I've ever had to do was to put a dog under the plane and get them on an international flight for that many hours. And she came through the airplane, what do you call the, the carousel, the, well, all the luggage, the luggage uh, rack. And here comes her little, you know, her little cage and Puka's on it inside it. And I didn't even, I mean, I locked eyes with her and she said, it's clear as day to me, Mary Beth. She's like, what the hell was that? And whatever the hell that was, I am never doing that again. And I took her out of the cage and I said, that is absolutely fine. That was incredibly horrific. I'm so very sorry. Let's get you out of this cage. And so we had Puka and she knew, she knew energetically that she was in a country in which she was no longer the queen. You know, she knew that, you know, she had to definitely, you know, she was no longer allowed to run free. You know, she didn't have a domain anymore. And I believe that that's uh, what ultimately created her illness. But to the point that my husband and I knew that um, Puka was ill and we had one vet within the expat community. He was a Vietnamese vet and his name was Dr. Nia. And at the same time that I was dealing with Puka's illness, I was also dealing with my mother transitioning from cancer. So I was flying back and forth from Ho Chi Minh City to the United States. And uh, once I knew that there was one trip where my husband was taking Puka to see Dr. Nia, and I knew that there was a diagnosis, but Dr. Nia did not want to share that information with my husband while he was there alone. And so we both knew intuitively that this was Puka's time to be passing. And to your point, I started to grieve her before she left this physical plane. And so when I finally saw her, I realized that that did not serve her. Um, it didn't serve her energetically whatsoever. But I have to give credit that when the time did come for Puka to transition and we induced uh, to allow her to go in comfort, it was very ceremonious. Uh, Dr. Nia and his staff exhibited the utmost respect for this beautiful spirit of a dog. They came to our apartment at the time. They created, you know, a, a nice bed surrounded by her toys and everything that she loved. 
And they allowed uh, my husband and I to be there to hold her and to caress her during that transition. How lovely. How powerful. Lovely. Yes. Powerful yes, stuff. Is. Yes, it is. Yeah. Powerful. And there's something good about being being with them when they transition, if you can do it. And I believe they enjoy it. They, How do I say it? They're comforted by it. And so are we in some strange way to just be there and allow them yeah. to move on. The epitome of holding sacred space, right? Yes. Yes. Well, Mary Beth, you inspire me on so many levels. On so many levels. I hope to one day to open up some of my my intuitive gifts to be able to support all sentient beings. So thank you for setting the stage and being a pioneer in the industry. And I know the listeners are very curious. Are you offering classes to teach people how to become an animal communicator? I, I am. <laughs> I, I'm teaching a class right now, um, and I'm, I'll teach another class in the fall. And you, they can find it. I call it UConnect. Strangely enough, U-C-O-N-N-E-C-T. It's my UConnect course, and uh, it's a live class. We do a lot of practicing. Uh, we do practice with each other's animals and with my animals. They they love connecting with everybody. And um, <laughs> yes, the answer is yes. I'd love to have people find out more about it. Yeah. Okay. So is it okay with you if I share your email address with the listeners here? I mean, clearly in the show notes, I have all of your contact information because I want to invite the yeah. listeners. Mary Beth is the real deal. You, if Again, if you're considering utilizing the services of an animal communicator and energetic healer, I invite you to reach out to Mary Beth and her email is Mary Beth, but she spells it differently than I do. So it's M-A-R-I-B-E-T-H at sacredgrove.com. So that's S-A-C-R-E-D-G-R-O-B-E.com. So with all of that, I, I just know that her website is active and I know I, I see her frequently posting stuff on LinkedIn. So she's very active and very open um, to the listeners. So please, I invite you to reach out. Mary Beth, from the bottom of my heart, thank you so very much for being a guest on the podcast, Energy Medicine. Thank you. I got to say thank you for giving me the opportunity to have such a deep and loving conversation. That This was just great. It's what it's all about, right? Yeah. Listeners, for those of you still listening, I invite you to stay tuned for this short break. You have been listening to the podcast, Energy Medicine, where we are aligning your mind, body, and spirit with energy-based modalities. For more information about Dr. Mary Sanders or our podcast, please check out our website at www.drmarysanders.com. Thank you for listening.